Hey, what's up, guys? This is Lucas Burnley. You are listening to the Edge and Flow podcast, where we discuss knife making, machining, uh, ADHD, pursuits, uh, and probably like a couple other things, life, yeah. family, kids, everything. Yeah. Yeah. I'm here with my co-host, TJ Schwartz. Uh, let's kick it off, man. How's it going? Going good, man. It uh, Today actually started pretty rough and then i'm feeling a lot better now <laughs> what what kind of rough i get like occasional migraines Ooh. and it started out like I, usually i wake up in the morning I'm like ah, oh, today's one of those days like it's usually setting in at like by the time i wake up um but i've been able to stave it off a little bit drinking tons of water uh i usually don't do well with like blood sugar spiking so i usually avoid sugar but actually uh-huh. i found with migraines like spiking my blood sugar actually helps a little bit with that um, and then we had a power outage, which was funny, but I don't know Just, if we talk about that now or all, always something, never nothing. Joe Mangifico TM. You're right. <laughs> no kidding. Or if it's not one thing, it's two things. Dude, it's always yeah. two things. Yeah. Um, okay. Multiple questions on that. Uh, I didn't get migraines until the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it, I think, is diet related. I've noticed it's weird, man. Like as you get older, you, I, I've started noticing like some sensitivities around like sugar, like so morning, like blood mm-hmm. sugar spikes in the morning, and I feel like trash. It never happened yeah. before, and now I'm like I'm I'm very careful like what I take early. Yeah. yeah. Um, are you doing any kind of supplements or anything? Uh, not enough. Not I, enough. I've gone through that. My wife actually is pretty into that. I've yeah. I've been a loser, and I need to definitely get on that train. I did. Um. I was just like three years ago, I started doing like a basically like a blood uh, transfusion. No, not really. Uh, like a like a, a vitamin regime based on blood work. Oh, dude, that's um, smart. It was pretty cool. I did that for a while. And then um, I started doing AG1 Athletic Greens. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this is like the circular world of podcasting. Um It'd be great if I was sponsored by them and they were doing something, but they're not. So this yeah. is a, a free plug. But we I've, we've used that for like three years. And I absolutely love it. I, I researched it. I need to yeah. bite the bullet and yeah. sign up for just that. do it. Um, yeah. it. It actually is really really great. I I think one of the main triggers for my migraines. I have vision on my two eyes are very different in prescription, mm. and the differential I think is like kind of hard on the brain when I when if I like. Uh, I don't know. It's like sometimes if I go on a really long drive, like a 10 hour drive all the way to Vegas, the next morning I might have a migraine because like the depth perception going on for that long is like it can trigger a migraine, but it's the next day. So sometimes I think that's one of my main causes, which I can't really fix. I mean, I wear contacts, but you wear contacts in the shop. Yeah. That's interesting. No, no problems with them like dust or or anything. We just don't really have dust in the shop too bad. Um, so yeah, it's not. Y'all hear that? You guys heard that, right? Knife maker doesn't have dust in his shop, so it's pretty good. I mean, the only dust we create <laughs> is with sharpening, which is like not very much. This is this is like the paradigm shift, though, because like as you see shops now, shops are getting cleaner and cleaner and cleaner. Yeah, I think yeah. one of it, part of it is probably like awareness around like your lungs. Yeah, but two, it's process. Because when you look at like old knife making books, it doesn't matter like how fastidious you were, there was dust. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, I've, I've, back in the good old days, a 120 grit J Flex belt on a mm. big old block of G10. 
Of course, mm. full, full respirator. And even with like wrap around safety glasses, you're mm. just like rubbing your eyes. Yeah, I, I know I the can life. literally smell that. Yeah, like, <laughs> like going through a block of blue G10, like 3H G10. And then you look at your wall and it's blue. Oh, yeah, it's dude. like I, I definitely have been there and I don't like it. <laughs> I uh, I always said that um, natural canvas micarta was my favorite flavor. Because I like, early on, I like ground so much of it. It was just the most familiar, like scent. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah the smell of my card is a lot better than G10. It's true. Yeah, man. Okay. Wood's a Vitamins good smell until G10. it starts burning. Yeah, and makes you allergic to it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I was just curious, man. Like, I I keep um, like I keep having these moments where. I'm see, like I'm seeing something that either I'm doing repetitively working very well or I'm catching something that I'm doing repetitively and fine and like noticing that it comes at a detriment. And like just recently I was thinking about like AG1 and like just I guess ultimately like the act of doing a consistent like health regimen or like doing something where you know it's good and it's like almost fades off and it just becomes habit. Um, but it's, it's like an interesting process. Yeah. yeah. They say it takes 21 days to develop a habit. I believe that in general. So if you want to do something, you just like keep running it. Oh, I'm, I need to get on that train. Are you sticking with your gym? So I was thinking this was going to mm-hmm. lead to that because <laughs> I got to admit that we actually stopped with our morning routine just recently because we were doing it in our carport. Yeah. That's the only space we have. And it's gotten cold and it's gotten like, cold. And I know that's like, wah, but there's the, a knife maker in Russia laughing it, at you right now. I know. As he like wrestles his bear. I know. But if this <laughs> industrial space works out, I, oh. I'm, I'm, we, we're going to have enough room to like do a full, I mean, anything. So Dude. that's, that's going to happen if the space does go through. Okay. Uh, segue onto that. Any, any progress? Uh, I mean, nothing's changed since the last time we talked. It still looks like it's a a really, really good uh, probability, I would say. But um, just just waiting to see what comes down the pipe. So we'll keep everybody updated on that. But I'm getting excited. How my wife's more excited to have you out of the house? (laughs) No, actually, she doesn't (laughs) doesn't want that to happen. Fortunately, she wants my office. For the kids, uh, which I also yes. want to happen. That's amazing. Um, and then in addition to that, the garage, she's actually right. like really DIY right. uh, interested. She does a ton of stuff. She has like extra freezer space for all kinds of different projects and like different interesting food ideas. And then she recently, her and her mom invested in a like freeze dryer. Oh, and nice. she's putting that in the garage. So the, our garage is going to be like a food processing facility and like give her room to do some wood projects and like old furniture refinishing. Dude, I feel like so. her and Maddie would like each other so much. Yeah. It's like, we just got a, we just got like our vacuum sealer and a deep, nice. we bought you and I bought the same deep freezer, like the same yeah. weekend. Yeah. yeah. And I, I would guess that was probably not like you and I making that decision. No, it's like, no, we need that. No. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, nice. She's excited for that. Yeah, dude, I would be too. I mean, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. But, uh, before we get too far into this, I yeah. wanted to mention and thank our Patreon subscribers, which have been increasing. You know, we've it's pretty had cool to see new people every week, and it's thank only been guys. a couple of weeks. And uh, thank you guys, some activity yeah. in there. So pretty good. 
you posted up a poll. Yes. Of some like questions. You want to just you want to dig into those? Yeah, I was thinking so. I, I wanted to see what people thought about like being able to, you know, supply questions inside there and then us sort of answer them. So this is the first go around. Uh, well, I guess we'll go in chronological order if that sounds good. Let's so, do it. Jesse Jarris, good friend of mine, he jumped in there and he said, if you had the capacity to take on new projects other than knives slash EDC, what would these products be? Something like a dream project or retirement gig, maybe just something fun you don't have time for. And he said for him, it would be fun to make cookware. So I'll let you lead with the answer. What do you think? Oh, dude, this is, um, (laughs) this is like maybe an issue, like in general, I'm like probably not the best person to ask because this is essentially on many days what my brain does anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, starting at like the, the small scale, right. I think it would be really hard to go to like retirement. Oddly enough, cookware is, is something I'm super interested in too, but on the forged side. So internally I look at related process, different product. Forging for me was that I'm like, I don't really care about just making a knife, Mm. but the idea of being able to like make a uh, spoon rest for some reason is super exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Or like a small frying pan. Yeah. Um, Because you're using the skills that you already have and interpreting them into a different visual and functional form. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Retirement is like, I guess ultimately that is my ideal, which would be like, I just want to have a shop where I can tinker and make things as it catches my interest. But I'm kind of already doing that. Like I do like a little bit of gunsmithing. I do like, I'm always messing with my surfboards. Like Mm -hmm. some of this stuff is related. Um, what I'm trying to figure out now is how to actively schedule time for those um, because I actually don't want to wait. And so that idea of like, I don't have time to do this does not seem reasonable because like you don't know how much time you have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if it's important and you want to do it, yeah, I feel like there's some space around it. What about you? Uh so as far as like physical products, mm-hmm. the only thing I've ever spent money on other than things to make knives or been super interested in is automotive stuff. So it's like mm-hmm. right now or the last like five to seven or eight years, maybe even off road, like just Jeeps in general and all the fabrication and like components around that. That's really what has my attention other than knives. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like I said, that's really all I spend money on. In fact, I just got some parts in for my Jeep. I finally am turning the corner on like, looking at it and thinking it's time to start building it. And so just starting with the basics, I got some like heavy duty ball joints for it because that nice. is, is a weakness on those. And then some, uh, sway bar disconnects. Like I, I just want to get under that thing, jack it up and start doing stuff. Yeah. And that's it. Like if I had unlimited money and unlimited time, I'd probably just build rigs and then like sell them and then just build another one. So that's, a, that actually like brings like an interesting point at this like time. I realize that there are many things that I'm interested in doing that I don't want to do myself. So like trucks would be like an, a, a perfect example. 
I have the capability to do many of the tasks. Like mm-hmm. early on, I drove really crummy cars and I worked on them and, you know, like did it everything yeah. myself at this point. If I'm going to have a suspension installed, I'm not going to do it myself. Mm-hmm. Part of it is a space issue. And part of it is a time issue. And I think that there's like some clarification there for yourself when you're like, maybe the process of figuring out what it is that you like inside of maybe a hobby and accept weirdest one that I, I think I ever like tracked was I was probably 19 and I met a guy at an IDPA match. Um, IDPA is like um, a practical pistol uh, mm-hmm. competition, right? Um, kind of like running gun stuff. And he was talking about, he's like, he was telling, he told me he's, he shoots like 30,000 rounds a year, blah, blah, blah. And at that point I was doing machine work and like doing trigger jobs and like working on stuff. And he was like, oh no, I never like work on my own pistols. He's like, I like coming out here and doing this. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. And I was like, yeah, I think it was the first time that I realized that you could like enjoy an activity but then not do everything surrounding it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is like very maker mentality so you yeah. want to be like wrenching yeah honestly like the thought of rebuilding engines i mean i haven't done i didn't grow up in a, in like a household that did any right. of this stuff like i grew up in a very western like cowboy yep you know rawhide and just like is that organic. not part of that life too not is well, like, i mean not the way i grew up for way i grew okay. up it was like stacking hay bales and horses and cows and just ranch stuff. And so right. it was fixed not, truck because it's mechanical if it breaks, but nothing more. Right. Right. And so, so now it's like been a long history of me just like watching YouTube, reading forums, like ever since I was pretty, pretty young, I, mm-hmm. uh, I got into that. And so long story short, I want to, like, I've always wanted to rebuild an engine. And I've thought like, now that I ha- have the possibility of having the space to do it, Right. I might just buy like an old 350 four bolt main, like small block Chevy engine and just build it for literally no purpose other right. than just to like, you know, check the ring the gap and, you know, uh, gap gauge your crank bearings and like just just because I've always watched videos on it and it just right. sounds fun. And so it's that not even perfect sense. I don't even care about like putting the engine in something like right. the, the process is the product for me, I guess. Ooh, <laughs> we haven't heard that for a while. Um yeah. Again, it's a related skill though, too. I think yeah. where I think where some of this breaks down for me is I I notice that a lot of interests are still like revenue generating. Mm-hmm. And that it's not like a I don't want to say like call it a red flag, but I notice that it's where my brain is kind of positioned right now. So is that like mm-hmm. a true is it truly separate or is that I'm just looking at like interesting things in business right uh i think as i'm getting older and maybe i'm getting better about expecting less out of a hobby or interest mm. like i can do something now just because i want to yeah. yeah um yeah i don't know yeah i think i think that hopefully that answers <laughs> the question jesse i feel like we yeah. could probably just spend an hour talking about things that we want to do i know i know um that's it that's it well i was just Pandora's thinking about like box. It really is. I think that like right now I try to do one class a year. So some Mm -hmm. type of course or training um, doesn't have to be related to like skills around knife making necessarily. Um, I think I missed this year 
but I did like the last one I did was like a patina course next year. I'm doing a hunting school. It's just the idea of going and learning from someone who is an expert in their field. Yeah. But I think that ties into Jesse's question pretty in a pretty fair way, because it is the realization of wanting to expand. Yeah. And just realizing if it's not on a calendar, it's like not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So seeing too many people wait till like retirement and then mm-hmm. not get to do the thing they want to do. Yeah, that's fair. So another question. Lay it on me. Guy, gentleman by the name of John Gruber. I, I don't believe we've met, but we chat frequently on um, Facebook and stuff because he's a great customer. Um, but he jumped into Patreon. He said, I don't know if you have discussed this topic already, uh, but he said it'd be fun to hear which uh, model of the other guy is our yep. favorite. Out of us too. Yeah. That, that narrows it because at first I read it as like, which other knife guys models are your favorite? Yeah. And I was like, my head a, was about to explode. It's a hard thing to phrase. You have to like, think it through like which model of yeah. yours is my favorite. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. So I guess I'll lead on this one. Okay. Of your knives. My, the, uh, the model that I find to be my favorite. I hate to say it actually. I'm really curious. The Quiken man. I know it's like, it's so ubiquitous and it's like, it's probably a default answer by a lot of people, but I have a hard time not saying Quiken. I appreciate that. I think it, it like also probably like proves the point of like repetition. Mm hmm. And like just visual, like the visual awareness, yeah, of a product. Well, and so you're talking like Quike and Folder, right? Yeah, Quike and Folder. Okay, Quike and Folder. Um, tell me more. So, <laughs> I am a big fan of a situation where you can take four to five lines, yeah. and make something something that's famous that Ooh. is like oh, like a uh, a signifier of the brand and something that's recognizable, like for something to have that few number of lines and yeah. to be like, whoa, Burnley. Right. That's Recognizable. Like incredibly difficult because usually to get something to stand out and become like brand defining, yeah. you have to get pretty complex with it and like right. really get out there to isolate yourself from the rest of the industry. Yeah. But with like five lines, you know what I mean? You've got a top straight line, a couple angles on the, on the pommel, like a couple lines along the bottom. I mean, it's just so slim and sleek and so minimalist but it's so identifiable and that is just so hard to achieve like i think it's because as a designer i can see how hard it is even though at surf at surface value it looks easy yes yeah, simple like isn't. that like that's yeah. the that's like the, yeah. the rule you know it makes me think of too which is like obviously like when i designed that knife i w- i had no idea where it would go or anything else, right? Like I didn't mm-hmm. understand some of the things that like you understand in retrospect. I had never put it together like that where you're like four or five lines, but it's the truth, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're like, how? When people tell me that you can't do something new or like everything's been designed, and there's elements of that that are true, but there, I think there's two lessons that come out of the like line concept, which are really minor variations in how you arrange those lines can actually make it stand out. Mm -hmm. So like 
on the Quaken, one thing that is was I think was weird, at least visually at first, was when I switched to the flipper, and my flipper was reverse. Like so, the there's it's actually like everybody's flippers had like a little concave. Mm-hmm. The flipper tab on the Quaken is convex. Mm-hmm. And at first people were like, oh, that's like wrong and weird. And I was like, no, it's a cam. And it gives you more throw for like this very short, this like very slim knife. Mm-hmm. Right now, now you like see that around and it's, but it, I think it's, I think a lot of times our tendency is to like continue to make things more and more complex for it to stand out. Yeah. And I think a lot of times like the reality is it like, even if there's a knife that you really like and you're like, I want to make something similar to that you can you can figure out what in those lines and flow you like and interpret them um and then the flip side of that is that if you like if you're able to take one of your designs and change a couple of lines and end up at someone else's design that's a problem Mm -hmm. so people always ask like oh like what is this is it too close to another maker is it they're see- I think a lot of times people are seeing the inspiration, but they're not actually, it doesn't ha- actually have to do with like functionally the design. Mm-hmm. But if, if, if I can like, if I see a design that is close to mine and I'm like, oh yeah, if you just change that line and that line, you end up here. Mm-hmm. That's like a point where I think, you know, like, oh, it's too close. Yeah. 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 I, and, and another way to put that is like, Imagine having a design competition where it's like design a knife with the fewest lines possible. Right. It's like the Quiken is the best to ever do that. You know what I mean? And it it's almost that. looks like it was like designed with the, like if you were to go into, you know, some DXF drawing program, and yeah, say, yeah, you, yeah. you get, you get the, like whoever has the minimum <laughs> number of lines wins, but most of them would just look like a prism, but that thing doesn't look like just like a, I was thinking cutter. cigar shape. That's like what yeah. we call like the, like the graphic designer knife or industrial designer knife where you're yeah. like draw a knife and you're like, it's a little football shape. Yeah. And then you yeah, add yeah. in some details. Yep. Yeah. It's so pretty I, funny. I just, I got to compliment that just because of, and I, I'm not saying that because of the mystique of the Quiken. I'm trying sure. to think of it strictly from the design. Like I think it, even if it didn't have the mystique, my answer would still be the same. It's pretty it's like cool. the Nike swoosh. You know what I mean? Like that's the Dude, that's uh, It's nice to hear. I mean, that yeah. that's like, I don't know. I feel fortunate to have had like a couple where they're like recognizable on their own. Um, it is weird. The Quiken is weird, man. Well, it's fun too. Like I'm excited to see this for you down the line where like model changes and, and like expansions. So the Quiken was basically like unchanged for like a decade. And then the last, I think in the last year I did a dagger version and an American Tano version. I just saw that. Dude. It's awesome. But like, they never really occurred to me before. And like, I always thought like the Quiken, I was like, I love it, but it's so limited because the geometry is so specific that there's not much that I could change. I'm like, I can't make a wider blade. I can't really change the point shape. Like there's all these things and it, it's ridiculous. Like there's always a way to change it. Mm-hmm. And then meanwhile, like the Quiken has like 50 variations of like size and other things. Yeah. yeah. But I'm curious to see like, you know, 10 years or you're like, Oh, I never saw that. 
I'm going to do yeah. it. It's going to be cool. Yeah. 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 It's pretty fun. Um, okay. My turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is actually a really hard one. You're, you're difficult. Um, I know all my designs are pretty bad. It's like, whatever. How, how, how do you, uh, how do you, I'm going to, I'm going to split it. Okay. Um, I'm going to go to the Zenaida, yeah. right? Is that how you pronounce it? Zenaida. Zenaida. Okay. I mean, it's a, it's like a Greek. Is it right? Oh. Okay. So we're going to yeah. Zenaida. Yeah. Um, it is like, it's one of those things where it's like, I saw it so early and it is so well thought out regardless of like a maker's time and you is like essentially like your first shot to me that that one model kind of showed a potential trajectory that I think was very impressive and like has, has like come to fruition, which is cool. Um, but it's also weird to say that because it, it was like your, fir- like the first thing mm-hmm. and not many people know about it. Yeah. 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 If someone wants to like see that knife, where do they go? Um, does it exist? This is going to be super groveling weird. on gets- forums. I don't know. So it's I've, not like there aren't like photos of this thing. No, it, it's almost like a ghost knife at this point. It it exists at the U.S. Patent Office level. Okay. It exists in my pocket because I have one. And okay. I don't know of hardly anyone else that has one. I mean, the, the, obviously, okay, people how have many them, no, I don't know who oh, they are. Okay. How many do you think are in existence total? Oh, not many. Like maybe 50. 50? I didn't even know there yeah. were that many. Yeah, I don't know exact number, but I have, have to... you ever posted a photo of it in your Facebook group in the in the user group? I don't yeah, think in the so. user group. Yeah, okay. you either have to do it on on Discord or in your Facebook group yeah. because like it's crazy. People get we get like you get focus on an era of knife making for a maker. And that's like kind of I, I still have people that like have like this very set image of like what it is that I do. Mm-hmm. And some of it isn't the case anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude, that let me, I'm going to like describe it for you guys just a little bit because it's ridiculous. And also you just heard TJ say that it exists at the patent office, which means that not only was it like his first foray, but it also had tech in it that was patented. That's wild. So, uh, how many years ago? When was the when was it when was the first one done? It was conceptualized in around 2013, and it was first made probably about 2014, maybe early 2015. Okay, so I mean we're closing on we're closing on a decade, yeah. roughly, right? Yeah. Uh, full decade since conception. Um, and at this time, this it stands out even more than it does now, which is basically a pocket knife with toolless takedown in a very clever way. That is, that's it in a nutshell. 
Yeah. So good. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. it's not a knife I I think about. Like I'm I'll sure go I'll go six months without even thinking about that knife, and I think I most people will go six years without even thinking about it. Yeah, but it is it is like this keystone at the beginning of my career that if you take it out, I don't know what the result would be, but it would be so different. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's such a. It, I mean, my logo is from that knife. Like the Ooh, logo that's was a good. That's a good the, bit of history. I didn't even know that. So the logo was designed right after I designed that knife because it had a dovetail system in it. And so the logo is a dovetail because my name is the shape of a dovetail. The S and the Z make a dovetail. I'm and staring so, at your hat right now. Yeah. So it's an S and a Z combining into a dovetail. And then, and the first knife I designed had a dovetail. So <sighs> th- that's the only thing that like is left of it. If you, I guess you would say, okay, I got it. There's like a term that I want to exist. So I'm going to like put it, out there and i don't know what it is maybe this maybe it already exists uh it's like hyper knife like you're t- you talk hyper knives um what is it in i would say in most makers working lifetimes there are periods where the work is like it's different it's it's somehow like crazy inspired or something that is different than like the standard mech, like the standard way they're working or where they like grow into as a maker. Mm-hmm. Okay. What is that time period called? Like, uh, like the it's hard, the defining period. It's not like defining, the, but like I look back the vision there's quest. N- there's <laughs> it's like, a okay. It's like a vision quest knife or yeah. something because yeah. I look back and there's knives that I made that one, I actually don't know if I could make now mm-hmm. and I definitely wouldn't want to, but when I look at it, I'm like, oh man, that is cool. And it, I think it's a, it's kind of a perfect storm of time availability, learning and experimentation, n- not knowing the correct way to maybe do things. Like there's a, I think there's this like, mm-hmm these these elements that come into play and i really do think that most makers if you're in it for a while you will experience a time where you're like holy cow that was that was amazing work formative yeah yeah. what is that time period for me or just as a like definition yeah like what's a what's a catch-all term for that what would you how would you like define that um oh shoot I know exactly what you're talking about. I can like sense the feeling you, like, that feel you're it? conveying, but yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, da, 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 da. I don't know. It's like a, it's almost like a, it's going to sound re- really bizarre, but it's almost like a puberty of the career. You know what I mean? It's like, Oh, the, that's good. It's like the coming of age. Like, I don't but know. But the Japanese have a word for it. Yeah. The Japanese have a word for <laughs> the it. German stone. Yeah. Probably. Like, the, I don't know. The it's, good yeah. things you make before you know how to make the things you end up making and then yeah. forget. Yeah, I don't know. So that one, like I said, it's a weird one to pick because nobody knows about it. Um, And it's not what I think of now when I think of your work. But it's my favorite. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's that's a good question, John. Dude, that is a good that that is a good question. That is a good one. Yeah. Uh, All right. We do have another question, and this is a good question in a very different this is, way. This is trolling. 
Yeah, th- this Trolling is uh, us. yeah, this is like meme worthy, I guess you'd say. So, <laughs> Worksharp Corporate apparently is supporting us on Patreon. Thank you very much. Thank you guys. Love you guys. That's awesome. And they asked, "How do you sharpen a knife?" <laughs> so, there's the meme for you. But I guess we got to answer the question, my friend. I guess so. There's this how to. Can yeah. Can I can I just if I wanted to cap my sharpening guidelines with like one phrase, you know what it would be? What would it be? It's all in the strop. Ooh. That's whenever anybody that asks me about sharpening, I'm not like the best sharpener in the world, but like from what I've learned, like it's all in the strop. Uh, do you think that is potentially because your dad's a uh, world-class leather worker? Yeah, it's got a, it's got a lot to do with it. <laughs> do you think maybe there's some some right. some trickle-down knowledge there? So just as a quick example of what I mean. So like I had a buddy of mine. Actually, it's my brother-in-law. He found a axe head in the foundation of his like 100-year-old house. Sick. Because he was replacing the entire subfloor and like a bunch of the joists and he's like holy cow and 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 it's like a carpenter's axe head because the back side is a claw hammer and the front side is an axe so it's like for like the old school guys building houses had like a hatchet to work with yeah um and so it's rusty pitted like you know barely recognizable in some ways and he put a new handle on it and i'm like you want me to sharpen that for you and he's like oh that'd be awesome so he gave it to me this was like this month I went and I hit it with 120 grit on a slack belt to like keep the con convex edge, you know, 120 grit is all I did. And I was like, I'm just going to strop it. See what happens. I stropped it. And the way that I strop it, I'm, I'm pretty happy with. And I went and put it like a steep angle. I mean, it's probably like 30 degree pitch on each side. Like, I don't know, like 60 degree included angle. And it would just, roll hair off your arm i mean 120 grit on the actual grind right but because of this the way that it's dropped yeah it'll it i could easily shave my face with the thing what did you strap on so i use a two by 72 leather belt yep and this is going to be controversial but i don't like using wheels to strop i know that's like risky to say but that's like it's not risky to say i have experimented a lot. Um, I am currently using a leather belt. Um, I also have this crazy leather wheel that says property of Ken onion on the side. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Which is pretty funny. That's awesome. Um, and that thing is awesome too. Uh, the story behind that one is, is actually really interesting. Um, it was a gift and it, uh, apparently there was like a maker in Japan that only liked Ken. And Ken was the only person that could get these. Oh my gosh. Wheels, which like kind of tracks in a weird way. So yeah, that's, that's funny. Uh, yeah, I would agree. I would agree that strop is the, the make or break moment. A lot of times, um, people spend so much time talking about steel types. Um, and while very valid, I think the average user will get way more benefit out of proper edge geometry and uh, how that edge is prepared for yeah. like certain tasks than they mm-hmm. will notice out of a steel type. Like it's crazy. Like I, I like steel and like a lot of it comes down to me. Like, does it matter if it rusts more or less? Mm-hmm. Cause knives do different things. 
Yeah. So let and me ask then you it this. Breaks down. Do you ever, because you mostly like freehand sharpen on a belt? I do. Yeah. On a two by seventy two. Do you yep. do you know roughly? Because you have such good muscle memory that you have yep. an edge geometry that's super consistent. What yep. angle is that, or r- roughly? Um, it's like funny people ask that. Somebody I just asked like, hey, what angle do I sharpen this at? And I'm like, right. oh man. <laughs> um. I would guess we are in the like 17, like 15 to 17 range. The freehand through multiple processes yields inconsistent results. So if I freehand grind a blade and that blade is 10 thousandths and another one is 12 and another one is eight, I'm, I'm sharpening to feel. Mm-hmm. A lot of times. So sometimes that bevel is going to be a little steeper um, or or not. Um, but I guess at the end, like as I'm testing it, I'm like going for a feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's incredibly imprecise. Uh, I mean, they're very I've got one of your customs right here that you sharpened right in front of me. And so it's like, yeah, it's it, I mean, it's a beautiful edge. It's thanks. really, really good. I also think it's interesting how. Yeah, different makers like like Tom Krein's knives are always like insanely sharp. And like people talk about hair popping that he pulled like he's coming off the grinder. He's really, really fast. Um, I spend like a, a kind of a little bit of time like messing with things and trying to like fine tune them. Um, so yeah. this is one like I, went, I actually went down and spent some time with WorkSharp because it's that sharpening is one of those things where there are so many, so many small details and like so many minor variations on how you do it. Um, for me, it's one thing to sharpen a knife the way that we do on a two by 72 as a factory edge. But if a customer sends a knife into me for maintenance or to have it sharpened, I never want to go back to the two by 72. Because you're removing material and I don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, and so that was like one of the big questions I had for WorkSharp. And that was, I came away with some different techniques, which yeah. is pretty cool. Cool. Yeah. 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 I guess f- to be more specific, how to sharpen a knife, the makers are always going to say two by 72. If, the, like you said, if there is no bevel present, if you're literally talking about a square cornered fresh knife. Um, but a two by 72 is obviously not your standard approach if you're not a maker. Um, so yeah, you get really into the weeds and WorkSharp knows this because they have like five different SKUs of completely different sharpening platforms for different ideas and goals in mind. You know what I mean? They've got guided stones, which I've always been a fan of. Mm -hmm. It's like a, an angle defined guided stone sharpening system. Really, really good. Uh, That's what I always recommend for maintenance. This is is such a good, well, well played. I have a feeling I know who posted that message. This is smart. You guys get a nice little block of time. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Good job, guys. Dude, uh, that, the, like the edge pro, I think. Yeah. That's, that's at this point, I think it's a good price. It allows people to do it and not mess up. You can do it slowly. Really nice. That's There's, the key. A lot of systems don't move slowly. If it's got yep. a belt going around a, a motor, like right. it's probably going to be too fast for like a beginner beginner. Yep. 
Yeah. And they like WorkSharp does those too. And like when I went out there, I had a lot of preconceived notions around them uh, because it's the two by 72 mentality. Mm -hmm. This is going to pull too much steel, but I saw the way they use it and the grits of belts that they use. I was like, okay, that's actually like manageable, um, which was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. How do you sharpen your kitchen knives? Kitchen knives? Yeah. Like just house knives. Uh, same thing. Two by 72. Really? So, yeah. So, uh, Everything that's going through my shop right now. No, is getting... not not the shop. Becca's knives, like your I, knives yeah, in the yeah, house. I sharpen them the you exact bring same them way. back out. Uh, yeah, I do the exact same thing. So um, you are doing maintenance on your grinder then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's a kitchen knife. It's yeah. different. I was just going to say 18 degrees is my angle. Okay. That I have knives planned in the future that will not have 18 degrees because I think there are cases where it's too, too shallow of an edge. Mm-hmm. But. On a kitchen knife, I, I I do all of my sharpening with a guided angle, but on a two two by seventy two, so it's all like set with a protractor at eighteen degrees, mm-hmm. um, and so I'll, I'll hit a, a kitchen knife the exact same way. And mm-hmm. if it if I'm not sure how much material needs removed, if or how dull it is, sometimes I'll just drop it first mm-hmm. and see if I can get the edge back. And if I can't, only then I'll go to like a four hundred grit belt. But I always try if it, if I know it already has an edge, I'm going to try to strop it alone. And because like you said, you don't want to remove material unless you are forced to. Right. And so stropping is just a polishing um, and it, it'll it'll roll like if your edge has a roll, it'll help correct that. Yeah. But it's not going to like, you know, why do you think a material? whole generation thinks that a knife steel is a sharpener? That there's like a whole like boomers. Basically, there's like a whole generation where it's like the steel in a knife block which is for aligning the feather is like people are oh. just trying to sharpen their knives on this like piece of steel piece forever. of hardened steel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No bueno. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what that is though. Like why was that like in a period of time, like why does everyone think that like you, this smooth piece of steel in your knife block is how you sharpen your knife? Yeah. Misconceptions, man. Someone was out um, there pitching. Yeah. No kidding. Like, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you you mentioned that you use an angle guide. Yeah, it's something I've thought about a lot. Um, it makes sense for you because you have high numbers of standard models. Yeah. Okay? What is your angle guide? Like, so I, I use two by 72 flat platen. Yep. So my edges are flat. Yep. And I have a a work rest that I set at the 18 degrees. It's actually okay. 108 degrees. So okay. if you can imagine the vertical platen and then a 108 degree angle, yep. then I have a piece of like Delrin or like HDPE, just like a white piece of low friction plastic. Yep. And I put pins in it so that when I slide my blade onto those pins, it's held mm-hmm. 90 degrees to the work rest, which makes it 18 degrees to the belt. And I've posted this on Instagram. Maybe I'll post it again. But then I just slide that piece of plastic around on my workrest and I have like range of motion on the plane of the workrest. So when I'm moving towards the tip, I can roll towards the tip, mm-hmm. but it doesn't change uh, the like angle of attack. You know okay, what I mean? I love that. It's so good, dude. Like I don't, I, I just don't think I'll ever change it. Like I just fell in love with it. I know there's probably better ways, but it's just, you know what? Good. It's not, this is, this ties in with something that we were talking about before we started recording, um, for me, which is, I think because of my background, like doing everything by hand all the time, I'm a lot of times I just default to it. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, the reality is that like, if you're a business and you want to be profitable, um, removing yourself from the process, uh, my buddy Keaton phrased it this way this morning, which is like, take your hand, like take your hands out of the process, which is weird to me is like a concept, but it's 100% true. Like just because you can do something with skill well, doesn't mean that that's the best use of your time mm-hmm. in a working context. Um, so things like using a angle guide that provides a consistent result to sharpening. It doesn't necessarily mean that like you're going to sharpen faster than me, but you are going to have to correct less errors and you will be able to do it for longer periods of time. Um, and I got to point out like one thing that I, I didn't do this on purpose. It just resulted in this mm -hmm. is that, the strop being the two by 72 belt that it is, is in the exact same system in the exact same manner. Mm-hmm. And so the, the strop is hitting the face of the micro bevel perfectly flat. Mm-hmm. And so it's basically polishing to that keen edge, like yeah. at the exact angle. And so that that's the key. And it, that's where I was R- saying like on a wheel. Yeah. If you have an 18 degree angle yeah. on this micro bevel, if you're if you're at like a half a degree off one direction, yeah, you're not on the edge, you're on the bevel. Yeah. If you're half degree off the other direction, you're yeah. actually doing a third bevel, like yeah. a third micro bevel. Or rounding over. And we're talking like yeah. very small margins. That okay, like going back to Tom, one of the reasons I think Tom's knives are so sharp, where it's like, okay, I have good muscle memory. Tom has been making knives longer than me. But he's basically was like a one man factor. His middle name is Fanic. Yeah, basically. I mean, dude, <laughs> dude cranks like it's old school, but it's like he'll post bench photos and you're like, all right, the 70 knives. Mm-hmm. I just think that he actually is so dialed the repetition that those edges like he's not having the micro bevels. He's not having the rounding like he has a process that is just so crispy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay, I was going to mention this like uh, process wise today, I did something that is now looking at it is like, like slap forehead kind of moment. <clears throat> so when I make side pops, I go from a water jet cut blank into a fixture. Um, and then <sighs> I've been really bad about updating fixtures and like, <sighs> I guess just like evolutionary uh, adjustments, right? Like I'll, I'll start something, I'll get it working and then it'll stop. So the way that I was doing side pops is I would cut it, cut the like first op, it's three ops. By the time I pull it off, I have a finished side pop in, a, in like varying thicknesses, whatever. But I have all these shapes that I do, toothies and royals and baldies. I would just hand cut those and hand grind them. And it's, insanity and i will say this is on like this is only on like the the more rare stuff so like when i'm doing like thick titanium or zirconium or whatever the standard ones like brass and copper like those those were fixtured in a way that they they're cut to shape Mm -hmm. but today i just wrote like a little secondary program so i can take like a finished side pop blank and just change the face shape and i felt so ridiculous because 
in my head, I'm like, ah, I can do this really quick. Like, you know, I mark it out, I go, I bandsaw it, zip, zip, zip. It takes me seven minutes to do it on the mill, front and back, chamfered, and it's perfect. It might, I actually, I don't know how long it takes me to do it by hand. In some cases, I might be able to make the argument that it's 10 minutes or 15 minutes. But as I'm sitting there looking at a stack of 25, I just realized like how much time that has actually cost me. So I'm trying to look at things not from like, what can I do, but from like, what can I remove myself from? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So your sharpening method like falls under that category. It's not that you can remove yourself from it. It's that you're removing a lot of the potential errors that arise. Yeah. I, I think the reason that I did it, and this is to your point right now is like, I used to get stressed about sharpening totally. And it, it made me do things where I'd be like, Oh, I need to sharpen those 20 knives. I should probably do uh. a little counting first. I should, I should probably like <laughs> double check my emails. Like I'd, I'd like, I'd stall. Yeah. And I was like, I just, I can do it freehand, but like, why am I Why? having so much mental friction about this? Because yeah. they're finished knives and I'm just scared. Yeah. And I'm like, I just don't want to be scared. So now sharpening is just like a podcast hour for me. Like I just don't. Right. Even you just think. do it. It's, yeah. it's almost with, I think with a lot of what we're doing, um, I actually, I noticed there was a couple questions below this too. We might be able to dive into a couple more. Um, I think this dives into like the business side of it which is if you can't automate it, you should at least remove the pain points. Um, lock fitting is probably like on folders is probably one of the biggest ones. Like mm -hmm. I used to freehand lock fit and it's like, yeah, I can do it, but there's literally no way that it is more efficient than being able to use an indexable, repeatable fixture. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, it's the hard part. The hurdle is getting to that point. Like I basically had to sp spend, you know, I probably spent like 45 minutes figuring out how to like cut this shape um, and like, you know, convert it and like, okay, like do offsets and stuff. And I have to do that with every side pop shape that I have, but then it's done mm -hmm. and then it's automated. And then if I want to cut one, I'm like, Oh, I'm doing a show. Like, Oh, I want one weird, you know, whatever Melman or something like I can just go cut that one shape and not have it, not have to go to the grinder, not have to like, it's different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you have that fixture for every model or do you have one fixture that works? So what I have found is I'm sharpening without scales on, which gives right. me the benefit of just sliding it. I don't even clamp it. I don't screw it on there. I literally just slide it over pins. Yep. And so I have one block that has pins on one side for the Overland, pins on the other side for the Confidant. I have one block for the Overland Sport, and I found out that the turn sits on those pins perfectly for the yes. Overland Sport. So right now I just have the three. But what I have developed is if the knife was a folder, uh, if it was or needed to be assembled, let's say it was a glue-up knife, let's say it was a, a warranty thing, um, the clamps that you see on like a Lansky or like, a even the work sharps, like where mm -hmm. it's just like a gator mouth with a little like wing nut mm -hmm. on like a bar. Uh, yeah. I mounted one of those to a, one of those Delrin blocks. Yeah. So you could do the exact same thing with literally any knife ever. Are just you, by doing that. are you grinding edge up? Edge down. 
You're for, you are doing edge down. So forward belt travel, not reverse edge yep. down. I'm not. Okay. I don't. I don't think that's necessarily of any benefit versus going reverse and then doing a right. different fixture setup. But just the I gotta fixture go look, in general. I'll look at your Insta and see because I'm very yeah. curious. Part of why I like that. That part of why I went with the edge down is. Uh, I don't have a reverse switch and they, a lot of these grinders, yeah. they don't install them because the tracking will go haywire in reverse. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, they just don't. So I could literally put like a $10 switch in my VFD and then have reverse, but it just works the other way. So I have a huge scar across two fingers because of sharpening at a point where I learned to sharpen uh, edge up on a paper well ed like i learned it's motor spinning in reverse on a buffer with a paper strop mm-hmm. i had reversed it because another knife maker came to my shop and was like "Ooh, that's super dangerous like i almost walked up and put my knife into that edge down i reversed it but then i forgot Oh, shoot, dude. So I sharpen edge up. I strop edge down. Um, oh, wait. Okay. That's that's different. Depends on the model. I, on a lot of the knives, I actually sharpen edge down too. Dude, it's, it is, it's a whole thing. Like for mm-hmm. years, I would, I would like have a headphone in, like having a conversation while I was doing knife making stuff. And as soon as I start sharpening, I would hang up. Yeah. This is like the job that I, I didn't, didn't have any like extra, uh, bonus points to actually yeah, like hold a conversation fully consumed. yeah nope yeah, yeah. done full yeah. focus yeah okay yeah. you know that's that's terrifying dude it, <laughs> I, know. I mean if you've ever also like you because you grind edge up on a downward traveling belt like when you're doing the, <sighs> the primary and if you've ever had that catch a belt seam it's a like immediate adrenaline rush like take a break big big go, pucker go drink a beer it's do a something else because yeah. yeah it's terrifying yeah it was it was it's probably the scariest thing that's happened to me in the shop because all I heard was I heard a very fast like pop. Boom. Yeah. yeah like yeah. with some harmonics in it. Probably it hitting the table. I it was like three things. I heard that. I saw blood hit the floor. And mm. then I heard another sound behind me. Oh. It was actually the knife hitting the back wall of my shop. The blood was just straight through my hand. Oh, no. and it went through middle, middle, and ring finger um, of my right hand. Didn't cut any tendons, but like I still have scars and I still have nerve damage from it. And I was like, I consider that like the luckiest yeah. uh, accident I've ever had. Could have been much worse. Could have been much worse. It just like yeah. you always hear the buffer is like the most dangerous tool in the shop, and you're like. You don't understand until it takes something away from you and throws it at you. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I used to make those combs and I would hit them on a buffer, the brass ones. And Mm -hmm. I, because there's so many teeth, there's so much traction for that to get a hold of it. And I used to hear those things fly and they make a very harmonic. It's almost like a, like a harmonica, literally like, yeah, yeah, it's terrifying. I don't know. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. I like, I think sharpening is one of those ones where the like the more precision you can add, the better. If you're doing like a, a like what feels like a consistent like process on a knife, but like you look yeah. at look at guys who are you know blacksmithing, 
they're dealing or, or doing convex edges. There's so many ways to do this stuff that mm-hmm. not all of it. It's definitely not a one, uh, you know, one process fits all scenario. Let me, let me ask you this belt speed on a two by 72. What are you going for for that? Uh, I'm running pretty slow. Same. Um, I want it fast enough that I don't have to push hard slow enough that it's not super easy to make a mistake. Yeah. Um, and I've really run the gamut as far as like fresh belts, old belts, uh, 220, 400 structured abrasives. And I still don't have a consistent process. It's like, Oh, I'm doing a big knife. Like, all right, I'm going to rough in at 220 and then take it to four, or Mm -hmm. I'm doing this like gnarly tactical. Like I'm going to leave it at 220 and I'm going to strop it and it's going to be like toothy. And, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It's pretty fun. Yeah. 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 Have you ever yeah. mirror polished an edge? I have not. I mean, I, I've messed I with it. I love seeing on... pictures of it. Yeah. Cause it's, it's beautiful. Like, I know. Yeah. Like, uh, you, we've talked about Rockstead a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. That's like a prime example where you like, look at it and you're like, it's optically polished or something. What do they call that in uh, the watchmaking world where it's like, uh, it's like black, a black polish. I think yeah, they call black it polish because if something is flat enough and yeah. polished enough without waves in it, it'll reflect either white or black. So you go under like pass under a light bulb and it's like right. you get beams of black and white. It's yeah, it's crazy. Uh, Keaton sends me pictures of things that he's polishing and I hate everything that I do. <laughs> Usually. Uh, yeah, I've mentioned Keaton before. If you guys, if you guys are listening and don't follow him, go to Keaton, my Rick on Instagram. Um, yeah, and legit. you can see like some pretty wild, uh, wild finishes. Yeah. Those watchmakers. Cool stuff, man. I'm always, I'm always curious, like what industries we can pull from. Like automotive is a great example. Like automotive polishing processes for certain things like aluminum. there's Mm -hmm. just good ways to do things. And I think we get, it's really easy inside of like smaller, like knowledge craft based systems to like do things the way they are done in your industry. Mm -hmm. Sometimes like you step outside, that's like Rockstead. I don't think that what Rockstead does is knife industry. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Same with microtech. Like you look at the polishes on a microtech, it's not the knife industry. Mm-hmm. That's industrial. That's a, it's a different polishing process. It's yeah. like mold and dye or something. Yeah, you know? exactly. Injection um, mold. Uh, yeah. Todd Begg, his work mm-hmm. is like that. He studied like tool and dye making. That was right. basically how he got there. Yeah. And you can totally see it. Yeah. You're running like felt bobs and diamond paste and it's a yeah. different game. Yeah. Without just blowing out all the features. It's, right. Without, that's the that's big the difference. Key, right. Yeah. That yeah. is when I, when I first started learning about like polishing knives and like, I don't do, I don't really do polish knives. Um, but, uh, Joe Cordova did, he did like mirror polished, loveless style knives. A lot of times it's like, it's really cool. They would, he would use these super small buffs. He's like, small buffs don't catch. And they, they are going to wash out your lines less. And it's like a grit progression to a point. And then you're like just kissing it with buffing wheels. Cause you see a lot of stuff that is way over finished. Yeah. It's like, cool. You made it shiny, but like you washed everything out. Yeah. 
You river stoned it. You basically river stoned it. Um, yeah. But that's like another one. Like you can mirror polish with tumbling. Yep. Swiss Army, dude. Dude. Pull I up. love that finish. Yeah. Look at a Victorinox. I mean, they make their, I believe, the biggest knife company in the world. And yeah. they're doing a mirror polish on every single It's blade. not a true mirror polish, though. Like, it's, it's bright. Yeah. Um, but there's, tool, like, sometimes there's tool marks in it. But even that said, I actually have one. Yeah. Uh, I have one in front of me. Or even, like, and... a Mora knife. Like, obviously, they do their oh, Scandi grind. But if you yeah. look at the flats of a Mora knife... Pretty yeah, close dude, to a mirror. That finish is so yeah. so nice. It's I mean, it, reflecting off of my camera. Yeah. Jeez. And yeah, yeah. And that's and the it's not washed out, which is amazing. Because that like tumbling, that is like the biggest risk. Yeah. <sighs> um I I like the mirror finishes like that, but I also don't like them. I don't know. I'm torn. <sighs> yeah, I know. You know, what's cool is they are more resistant to corrosion. Yeah. Yeah. The smoother the finish, the more it resists. There's like a lot yeah. to be said for it from a functional yeah. standpoint. Yeah. So it glides um, through a cut. Yep. But something, something about like reflectivity that is weird to me. Yeah. Like what, the first thing I do whenever I buy a car is black out all the chrome. I don't know what oh, it really? is. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. I'm just what is that process guy. for you? Like, what are you doing to black it out? Well, I mean, like my current Jeep, I didn't have any of that. There's no yeah. chrome on it. But like I had a, a car at one point and it just had like a couple little bezels, like a mm-hmm. couple little accents. I plastic dipped them. Yeah. Uh, nothing crazy. But that's, it's uh, funny with Tacomas. That's like one of the first things that people either debadge or like, yeah. <laughs> like get them coated. Yeah. We're getting ready to do it to the minivan. There you go. Three inch lift. And uh, some, some Falcon Wild Peaks, I think. Nice, that's <laughs> awesome, dude. The uh, the wife Subi is getting wheels and tires tomorrow, but no nice. lifts. Nice. Pretty fun car stuff, man, dude. Uh that yeah, Jesse's question, like, I it, for knife makers, I feel like a lot of this stuff really rolls in because you look and you're like, you have this shop full of tools. There's gonna be something else that you're making. But that is, again, that's like maker mindset mm-hmm. where you might have something like, yeah, complete retirement gig specifically. Like, I don't even. Yeah, no idea. Yeah, no idea. I always say, like, I want to be uh, at some point. I just want to be like a granddad knife maker. Yeah. Like, I want to make uh, knives for my grandkids, like Boy Scout or Girl Scout troop. Yeah. Uh, I want to make a dresser. I don't know. Like I yep. want to make for the absence of money. Yep. No, that's that would be a, a good retirement. Yeah, that's absolutely true. While I'm on a yacht. Well, I got to say that's a, a got to be a good way to end this because in eight minutes, I believe Dalton will be heading home nice. and he's taking a week off for an elk hunt. So I need to go wish him good luck on his elk hunt. <clears throat> okay. So everybody wish Dalton good luck. And then good luck, soon, D. I will, I will tell you guys, if he brought home the bacon or not, but yeah, good thing you got a deep freezer and a bunch of knives. I love he's, it. He's going to go do that. So anyway, man, and I appreciate it. it. I appreciate all you guys. Thanks for the Patreon support. Thanks for the comments. Thanks for yep. the questions. If you want to ask them questions, coming. keep them coming. Uh, somebody mentioned uh discord. We are working on it. Um, we're trying to do it a little more, uh, 
or I should say I am trying to clean it up because I kind of had it under a, a general server. Um, so we're going to link it to yeah. our Patreon. Um, love, so, love to do that. Yeah. Cool. All right. Thanks guys. Uh, leave that. us a review and we'll see you uh, talk to you soon. Peace. All right. Take it easy, bro. It's good. All right.